1: so lucky you
0: lucky us Lon he chen later this half hour maybe my favorite political pundit and i want to talk to him among other things about the uh, politics of recession talk ah um the 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 enthusiasm of the media and democrats to bring about a recession because um russia gate didn't work so maybe recession talk will
2: right throw that into some racism and maybe we got him in a corner i don't doubt for a second that political people would attempt to bring out a recession to win an election
0: so there have been two opinion pieces this week in the Washington Post about Yale and some art that they covered up or have been battling about covering up. One I've, I've of them one of them's about by George F. Will. Now he's a conservative and is constantly uh complaining about uh complaining, he's right, about uh, the weird nature of college campuses. But he's a conservative. And you know what he's gonna say in okay. About, I never remember, Jack. Did you go to Fort Hayes State Community College or Yale? I barely can remember Fort Hayes State. Ah, um, this guy who wrote this opinion piece is is a teacher at Yale Law School and was the dean of Yale Law School from 94 to 2004. Of course, politically, 94 to 2004—that was a time long, long ago when you could have been against gay marriage. And joked about the whole trans thing and the idea of free health care for illegals, please, why would you even think about it? Way absurd. back then. So right. yeah. politically, that was the dark ages compared to now. But anyway, this is that that's you know, that's where he's coming from. He's he's actually a professor at Yale. Yale University Sterling Memorial Library was opened in nineteen thirty-one. It was built to look six hundred years older. They wanted a really old-looking building. Yes. Its walls are decorated with hundreds of stone carvings. Most are benign. A few are deliberately humorous. Two years ago, the university announced plans to remove one carving from what it called a place of honor to a neutral setting where, in the words of Yale's president, it could be viewed in light that would help all viewers understand its meaning and serve as stimulus to thoughtful consideration and reflection. The carving depicts a Puritan and an Indian pairing around the column that separates them. The Indian holds a bow and shield, the Puritan a musket. The musket appears to be aimed at the Indian, though whether in self-defense or hostility, it's impossible to say. Yet, after consulting with faculty and other scholarly experts, the university concluded that the carving depicts a scene of warfare and colonial violence toward local Native American inhabitants. The musket, but not the bow, was cloaked with the removable stone cover, pending the carving's final move to an unspecified location. Oh, for God's sake. Today, a makeshift wooden blue box surrounds the carving, A cover-up of the cover-up.
2: So people who can't see it and be threatened by it and be made to feel unsafe and be triggered... They, this, this The Musket, like a parody the bow and arrow. How do you parody this? I don't know. The onion's going to go out of business. The carving hardly occupies
0: a place of prominence. To call it a place of honor, sales, says this Yale professor, is a stretch. It suggests that Yale meant to endorse the colonial violence the carving is said to portray, or what? meant to do so when the figures were carved nine decades ago. Neither seems
2: plausible. Well, yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, if I looked at that, especially at a place like Yale, I might think, Oh, that carving is kind of the white people were mean to the Indians uh, oriented. Well, I was just never you think. oh, oh, so Yale's in favor of shooting Indians. Maybe I'll just go down to a reservation today and shoot one because <laughs> Yale says it's okay. Said no one ever. Right, Look, well, go. oh my God, you people are so up your own hineys. Tell me what you ate yesterday for lunch.
0: Well, that's what this.
2: Great Scott. <laughs>
0: Can't let that phrase go by. Well, um, come
2: on now. I mean, I'm sure the learned Yale guy says it in more uh, you know, sophisticated terms than I just did, but come on. The real problem goes deeper.
0: The university's treatment of the carving reflects the belief shared by many schools that our college campuses should be cleansed of names and artifacts that awkwardly remind their students that others in the past held values different from their own. That's well said. Not erased entirely, as Yale's president insists the university is not doing, but taken from their public places where students have to view them as they go about their rounds and retired to the anesthetized precincts of a museum where few, if any, will see them and only those who choose to do so. It's hard to imagine a more compelling illustration of the phrase safe space that so
2: many students and educators now enthusiastically embrace. Which is the antithesis of what a university ought to be. It ought to be a zone where all ideas are challenged and supported and bandied about. This kind of ethical cleansing is bad for many reasons.
0: One is that it discounts the importance of discomfort in the process of learning. Yes. Discovering what your conscience demands is the reward for confronting ideas that shock it. Amen. And I really like this. I'm going to remember this one. And maturity is the prize of learning to live with
2: ambiguity. That's a pretty good one right Maturity there. Maturity is the prize of learning to live with ambiguity. I like that. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a, Yale, a winner. That's a Yale professor for That's it. another tattoo I'm going to get. <laughs> <laughs> On your ankle? Next to your Betty Boop?
0: Probably is a tramp stamp. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Above your cleft. <laughs> Thanks for that. Another is that it confirms the wish to have one's field of vision seamlessly fit one's system of values. It invites the smug belief that a real problem has been met simply by removing an irritant from view. I love that. (sighs) That you've actually accomplished something. It's so crazy. But, you know, it's funny. Well, we've
2: done away with any bad views of Native people by getting rid of that, so... Nobody's gonna go shoot Indians. Like, what are you? Th- what do you even think? You- These people are crazy. A third they scare me. A third problem is that it reinforces the belief that those who lived before
0: us were blinded by prejudices we have thankfully overcome. But that itself is a prejudice, one that powerfully shapes campus life in an age otherwise devoted to the eradica- eradication of prejudice in all its forms. Hey, your prejudice against people of the past. Yeah, which is interesting. Yeah and i'll just read a little more and we 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 uh we could link this i suppose it's in the washington post This Yale professor, former dean of the law school, this trend places moral self-confidence ahead of the life of the mind, which is always more than a little dangerous, because that adventure should put even our firmest convictions at risk. A university is not a family where love should rule. It's a community of conversation devoted to the search for truth. The moral beliefs that students bring to the conversation must not be allowed to curtail or confine it, nor should their feelings be given the same weight there that they have around the kitchen table. But the trend toward ethical cleansing puts our democracy at risk, too. I love
2: this so and much. It, and he goes Just on from there. love it. we well, yeah, could talk about this all day. It's but.
0: really good. And, and good for a professor from Yale, because I'm sure a lot of his colleagues and all of the students hate him
2: saying that. Yeah. Oh, I, I can't wait to talk about this some more. But we have the great realist, the the experienced, the charming, the intelligent Lan He Chen next. Talk about politics on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong
3: and
1: They're working, they're spending, uh, and they're saving, which is terrific. And there's no end to me. There's no end in sight.
0: Ticks of recession talk. I'm so worried about, in the the modern media culture, we've got the ability to talk ourselves into a recession, whether one was going to happen or not. And I think the Trump administration's
2: worried about it, too. Uh, Agreed. Always a pleasure to welcome Lon Hee Chen to the Armstrong and Getty Show, Lon He, a David and Diane Steffi Research fellow at the Hoover Institution Director of Domestic Policy Studies at Stanford University. Among other things, Lon Hee, how are
1: you? I'm doing well. Great to be with you guys again.
2: Thank you. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, whenever
0: this uh, the inversion hit, which turns out to be not that great a predictor of recession anyway, but there was so much recession talk that I actually started thinking, "Wow, maybe I should move some of my stuff. Wait a second. Now I'm falling for it. The media has scared me, and I'm changing my buying decisions. Is the media going to actually create a recession, and what can Trump do about it?
1: Well, it it certainly is the case that the media and public impressions of the strength of the economy have a lot to do with how the economy uh, actually performs in a lot of ways. And so you you think about consumer confidence as a great example. How confident do consumers feel about the state of the economy? Do they think things are going well? And that's why you know there's been some criticism of the Trump administration for talking up the economy, and, and you never want to be unrealistic. On the other hand, it, it's their job to talk up the economy. It's their job to present a positive picture, because that's the only way it, it, that consumer confidence remains high. It's only people, people you know, continue to believe the economy is performing well. And so I I think they're doing their jobs to a certain degree. But, yeah, look, a a lot of this matters a a lot. If you think about this old phrase animal spirits." there's this notion that the economy responds to how people feel. That's absolutely uh, a a very important factor to consider.
2: Is it true that political uh, people, that one party or the other, would gladly bring on a recession if it were to alter the uh, results of an election?
1: Oh, you mean you mean people would actually put politics ahead of people's lives? I, I can't imagine that would ever happen. I mean, what? look, I think. Yeah, I, well, I was going to say, I think, I think it's it's certainly the case that for some of the Democrats, um, you know, while they're. I, I don't know that they're rooting for a recession. It certainly is the case that politically it would help them tremendously to have a recession. Well, and they're put... rooting for it.
0: Well, yeah, Bill Maher <laughs> said on his show Friday before last, he said, I'm rooting for a recession, and all the guests were just aghast. Oh, my gosh. I think he just said yeah. out loud what a lot of people who hate Trump are are, are thinking. They're rooting for a recession.
1: Yeah, it, it's the verbalization of the obvious in some ways, which is that the, that there are a lot of Democrats and a lot of people who don't like President Trump who believe that if the economy turns south, it's going to inhibit his ability to get reelected. And I think there's a lot of reality to that. If you look historically, presidents who've been dealing with declining economies leading up to the election have not done well. George H.W. Bush being the last principal example of that. So you know, I, it, whether people are honest about it or not, the reality is the politics are the politics, and the politics hurt the president if the economy's not doing well.
2: You know, as a guy who's been studying economics since I was uh, but a wee lad, I love the term animal spirits I always have, and it occurs to me, that's how I'm going to tell my wife I'm feeling amorous. I'm going to tell her, hey, honey, the animal spirits are running high tonight. Wow. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, Lonnie Chen is on the line. So, hey, uh, I, you know, I fancy myself a bit of a political prognosticator. And I got the Kamala Harris thing completely wrong. I thought she was just solid gold and she's just disappearing. Any thoughts on the Democratic race?
1: Yeah, you know, I I was in the same boat. I mean, I I certainly felt that she was going to be compelling. uh, And and I think what's happened is that, first of all, uh, her positioning on health care or lack of a position has really been a problem. She's been sort of all over the place. You know, first she said she wanted to take away private health insurance. Then she said she didn't mean it. Then she put out a plan which may have done it. Then she said she didn't mean it. And (laughs) and then she said, well, I, I, I don't actually support Medicare for all. The only problem is video surfaced of her supporting Bernie Sanders' Medicare for All bill. And and, and so I think the inconsistency has really damaged her in, in that respect. But beyond that, you know, here's an interesting fact. You know, she's never actually beaten a Republican in all of her races uh, for various offices. She's never beaten a Republican. She's what? beaten other Democrats. But so but, but the interesting part of this, I, I think people are saying, look, we as Democrats, they want a candidate who can beat Donald Trump. And if you put up somebody who's never beat a Republican, well, maybe that's a problem. So I think people are starting to see through the facade a little bit, and that's why her numbers have been cratering.
2: Yeah, just a, a quick note for folks who don't uh, aren't familiar with Cal Unicornian's voting system, the one party state where it's the top two uh, in the primary. Yeah who get on the final ballot, and frequently that's two Democrats, so that's why it is. And, you know, Lon, he, you said it in some, some pretty polite terms, but I just think everybody's caught on to the fact that she is just transparently a phony. I'm
0: happy to see there's a limit to how phony you can be, that people will finally reject you if you're too transparently all over the place.
1: Well, here's the advantage to having a field of 20, you know, where I, I guess another person, other two people dropped out recently. So, you know, 20 or a little fewer than 20 people is that you're creating a big marketplace, right? So people get to choose what they want. They get to choose, you know, uh, the kind of candidate that suits them best. And in that kind of environment, it's really hard to put on an act for an extended period of time. And, and, and her element of political theater, I think people just said, look, I, you know, we're, we're not going to have it. And beyond that, what is that? the other interesting thing about this field is that it's clear that Democratic primary voters are keenly concerned about picking a candidate who can beat Trump. And, you know, if you look at Joe Biden's numbers, that's why they continue to remain relatively good. And someone like Kamala Harris are just saying, look, we don't think she can do it because she can't even figure her own policy out. So, yeah, you know, I, who's to say she can beat Trump?
0: I am struggling to scrape the Seth Moulton bumper sticker off my car. So. <laughs> Um. So 50 percent of Democrats call themselves moderates or conservatives. That's that's a lot of running room on that side that only Joe Biden is even tipping his cap to among the top tier candidates. Is it going to be a Biden Warren race at some point?
1: You know, I, if, if you think about the the theory, the theory of, of these, you know, highly contested primaries, and that is that you're going to end up with probably three people. When we get to next spring, you got to think Biden's well positioned. And, yes, you have to think Elizabeth Warren is well positioned, because if you think about the progressive side of the party, uh, Bernie Sanders was never going to be their candidate this time around. I mean, that's my view. I, I just think that the only reason he got any traction last time was because he was running against Hillary Clinton this time around. There's got to be a standard bearer for that side. And Elizabeth Warren has shown herself able to to, to be pugilistic, to fight in those debates. She's shown herself able to present policies that are palatable to the far left. And she's shown her ability to to go up against Trump. So, yeah, I got to think she's going to be in the mix. And Biden, just by virtue of the fact that he's the only guy, as you said, who is worrying about the moderate uh, to, 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 you know, more conservative side of the Democratic Party. There's probably one other person, you know, in the mix, whether it's, i i don't know i mean you fill in the blank it'll be a complete wild card but i think there'll be one other one other candidate in the mix when we get to next march or april
2: got about 30 seconds left with lon he chen hey lon he would um if you were advising joe biden what would you be telling him right now
1: uh I, i'd be telling be to, younger like, stay, stay, <laughs> stay, yeah stay at home and take some youth serum uh, don't you know don't don't go out there and like do things like speak or or or, or have interviews where you respond to questions i you know I think the more he's able to put up an air of inevitability, the more he's able to kind of lay back and just run this strategy of I'm the guy who can beat Trump. And and they've got this TV ads out, you know, now in some of these early states. I think that will be better. I think the more he's exposed, the more problematic his candidacy is.
2: That's a tough position to be in. Oh,
1: yeah, I I I agree.
2: It reminds me of the Sex Pistols management back in the day. Their uh, their philosophy was play as few shows as possible. <laughs> Lon-Hee Chen is the director of domestic policy studies at Stanford. He's with the Hoover Institution. It's always great to talk, Lon-Hee. Be well. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Dad. What's coming up in your news, Marshall?
3: Well, President Trump has just launched a nuclear Twitter blast at the Federal Reserve Got a huge bust involving Nigerians bilking U.S. citizens, and German scientists are battling the shame of slouching. God, yeah, if it
2: isn't the Nigerians,
0: it's the Germans. Yes, but a, and, and Denmark denying us Greenland. A Nigerian queen just contacted me. Really? Now, yeah. Congratulations. What?
3: Armstrong and Getty.
0: I don't know if you caught all of that previous conversation we had with Lonnie Chen, or if we threw this into the introduction. But Lonnie Chen has worked on major presidential campaigns. He he was an advisor in Mitt Romney's presidential campaign. Guy mm-hmm. won the nomination. He knows what he's talking about. And his advice for the Biden campaign is keep him at home. Don't let him speak much. Don't put him in a position to answer questions. Right. No Holy interviews. No speeches. How? Right. That's astounding.
3: Can you? Joe Biden is a dummy.
0: Can you end up being the nominee when your strategy is
2: you can't let him answer any questions? These days, yes. It's a little surprising because, you know, we have constant input from everything all the time. I mean, We want more and more and more information. So a guy going to ground like that uh, is odd. But, yeah, I think it could work. Sure. Wow. You know, he's got a good brand these days. Sure. Why
3: disrupt him? News now, Marsha Phillips. Well, President Trump launched a full Twitter blast aimed at the Fed this morning after Chairman Jerome Powell said the global economic outlook has been deteriorating. Trump tweeting, As usual, the Fed did nothing. It is incredible that they can speak without knowing or asking what I am doing, which will be announced shortly. We have a very strong dollar and a very weak Fed I will work brilliantly with both, and the U.S. will do great. My only question is, who is our bigger enemy, Jay Powell or Chairman Xi?
2: Oh, oh my God. God! Wow! Wow, that's over
3: oh. the top!
2: Wow! Wow! wow. Seriously,
0: Doug? Yep. And he can fire the guy, right? I mean... Uh, yes. Is, so this is similar to the Jeff Sessions thing. <laughs> Okay, you're, 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 you're calling this guy out as the worst ever at this or that, and anybody could do a better job. Why don't you replace him then?
2: <laughs> I, uh, he's getting it both ways. I guess.
0: The first couple of uh, tweets there, I thought, I'll never understand why he just doesn't pick up the phone and call these people. Yeah. As opposed to talking to them through tweets. But that last
2: part. Wow. Well, and listen, I agree with Donald J. on a lot of policy stuff. But the idea that we use all the levers of, oh, my God, we're in trouble, uh, you know, uh, financial levers, monetary policy levers, when we're not the least bit in trouble. um, I don't agree with that at all because we got to keep some stuff
0: in the toolbox. Sure. If interest rates are super low and we have a 2008, we're doomed. Right. Right.
3: Earlier today in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, the chairman, Chairman Powell, promised to take the steps needed to maintain U.S. economic growth, but acknowledged trade policy uncertainty seems to be playing a role in the global slowdown.
2: You know, uh, speaking to the the president, he tweeted just in the last uh, you know hour or whatever it was, um, a, a couple of things that said, "Let me get it in front of me so I I quote it accurately." Okay. Um, this thread is, um, w- w- we might be better off without China. The vast amounts of money made and stolen, et cetera, et cetera. Um, our great American companies are hereby ordered to immediately start looking for an alternative to China, including bringing, et cetera, et cetera. We'll bring you the rest of it in a minute. Uh, but that's something. And listen, it's pretty obviously a negotiating posture with China. Yep. But it's, uh, it's notable. It's possible
0: that's where the world's headed. You have a Chinese economy for a chunk of the world and an American economy for the chunk of the world.
2: Yeah. Uh, Here it is. Our country has lost, stupidly, trillions of dollars with China over many years. They've stolen our intellectual property at a rate of, stop it, uh, hundreds of billions of dollars a year, and they want to continue. I won't let that happen. We don't need China, and frankly, would be far better off without them. The vast amounts of money made and stolen by China from the U.S. year after year for decades will and must stop. Our great American companies are hereby ordered which he can't actually do, but to immediately start looking for an alternative to China, including bringing your companies home and making your products in the USA. There's more to it. It goes on for quite some time. here, by order.
3: <laughs> Federal prosecutors say they have charged 80 people, most of them Nigerians, in a widespread conspiracy involving scams that stole millions of dollars from businesses and elderly people and then laundered the money. Fourteen people arrested in the U.S. yesterday. At least three others were already in custody. Six of those charged to live in the U.S. are at large, and the rest of the defendants live in other countries, mainly Nigeria.
0: I wonder what's special about Nigeria. The whole, I'm a Nigerian prince, and my family wants to come to your country, if you could send me ten. I mean, that one's been around for Fifteen years? At least. At least, yeah. Um, So what is it? Is there something special about Nigeria? Other countries haven't thought of this scam or what? I
2: don't know.
3: I don't know. It seems to be the world leader, though. Congratulations, Nigeria. Meanwhile, we all know that slouching is a very bad habit. And now German scientists have developed a smartwatch that will alert the wearer every time they slouch. (laughs) The user,
2: (laughs) you just stop (laughs) slouching now.
3: I actually would like
0: that. That's <laughs> a posture. L- <laughs> I would actually like this. Stand up
2: straight
0: for yourself.
3: It's a little more involved. The user would wear sensors under their clothes and inside their shoes that can <laughs> monitor. No, no can, I won't. That can monitor angular velocity, which is the rate of change of angular position of a rotating body. You actually
0: feel better if you sit up straight, it changes the chemicals in your brain. Uh, you know, teachers, nuns, moms through the years who told you to sit up straight. Mm, there was a right. reason for it. What was it? what was that? What was it? Angular velocity. What? Angular
3: measuring <laughs> your angular velocity. Yeah, I, I'm seeing
0: them this weekend. I actually I purchased an extra set of earplugs because they play loud. Yeah, that that is a good band. They are so. Intense. Oh yeah, they just—they have amps on top of their other amps just so the amps can get out louder. And, and three drummers. How many is enough? You know, Amp? my my angular velocity ain't what it once was. Oh, if you no. know what I'm saying? No, mine's poor. And I know what you're saying.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and I will point out that most of the amps that Angular Velocity uses are Marshall amps. That's True. That's true. <laughs> At your news, I'm Marshall Phillips, C. Armstrong, and Giddy show the conscience of the nation. <laughs>
2: Oh, I I swung by to say hey to a radio colleague yesterday, and I said, oh, a guitar player, huh? And he said, no, a drinker. And he reaches over, and the Marshall amp, he grabs it, (laughs) he opens it, it's a refrigerator. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Excellent. It it looked just like a a Marshall mini stack. Right. I was so jealous. (laughs) Hilarious. Anyway, where were we? Ah, yeah, crazy cat ladies are not a real thing, according to perhaps the worst written worst researched and most lacking in insight news story in the history of cnn (laughs) and that is saying something and that's next on the armstrong and getty show
3: armstrong and getty the armstrong and getty show
0: I gotta re mention this because this is something. Donald Trump with the tweet about an hour ago, my only question is, and the tweet this is after a blast of tweets about the Fed not doing the things he thinks they ought to do to help out the economy. And then he tweets, dot dot dot. My only question is: who is our bigger enemy? Jay Powell or Chairman G? Oh. Jay Powell, Oof. the chairman of the Federal Reserve. Uh, who he put in the job? <laughs> Or Chairman G, the, the, the dictator for life of the world's, uh, ev- maybe evilest country, if you include their power. Wow. China. That, wow, that's an th- interesting that's thing a to say. a crazy
2: thing to say. It is.
0: And then a How dare you. After that, where he says, fentanyl kills 100,000
2: Americans a year. President G said this would stop. It didn't. And and then he says, Maybe we should just pull back and not have trade with China anymore. That's fine. We're better off on our own. China can go to hell, essentially. And that caused an enormous drop in the stock market. Whether it will be temporary or not remains to be seen. Uh but yeah.
0: It's interesting. Yeah. It's always interesting to me how these big things, these world world events can come down to two people playing poker, trying to figure out who's bluffing. Right. Really? Just Trump and G. Yeah, she's trying to defer. Is he
2: serious? Would he? Would he take this all the way to the mat? He might. I don't know. Is he that crazy? Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, well, we'll have to see how that unfolds. Honestly, the latest outrageous and unprecedented tweet from the president doesn't really raise my pulse much. Although this one was extra out there. Honestly. Um. Well, I just I'm sure we will recover and uh, recover and everything will be fine. But um, yeah, that's out there. Whoo. So very quickly, yeah, a number of people bringing to our attention the uh, crime-ridden San Francisco uh, proposed new sanitized language for criminals. Getting rid of words uh, such as offender and addict and changing convicted felon to justice-involved person. Uh, Yeah, we talked about this the other day at, at some length. So we'd like to ask you, and I don't think it's asking too much, listen to the entire show every day. All four hours. Or however many you get. Um, and and if you don't get all four hours of the show where you are, listen to the podcast. Tucker Carl- uh
0: Tucker Carlson pointed out the other night on Fox if if someone who broke into my uh, committed a crime against me mm-hmm. is a justice involved person. Yes. Well, I'm a justice involved person also. Right. Because you whacked me on the head and took my wallet, so we're both the same mm-hmm. language wise. Right. Which is the point of all this. Right. And I love the, the guy, uh, guy who got hit on the head and had my wallet stolen. I'm the same as the guy who hit me
2: on the head in the eyes of the uh, into the government. Right. And I love parolee being changed to returning resident. Unbelievable. So Orwellian. You can't change the reality by changing the words. Um, but they try to do that over and over again to try to dupe you. Uh, and and listen, we're a couple of guys who are staunchly in favor of Of giving people second chances. Who've done dumb stuff in their lives. And turned their lives around. I love those stories. But quit cleansing it. Change the reality. You don't have to call somebody. A returned resident. To convince me that. Listen a lot of people made mistakes when they're young. But they're fundamentally good people. They've turned their lives around. Let's hire them and give them a chance. You don't have to change the verbiage. To get me to do that. You've you've done nothing. But try to twist perceptions. I just It makes me oogie. But. Yeah, they're trying to do that. Oh, we have a video at armstrongandgetty.com you might enjoy. It's um, some uh, gangbangers shooting at each other in the streets of San Francisco, um, running away and returning fire and that sort of thing as the honest law-abiding citizens are running for their lives, probably slipping on excrement as they run and being hit up by panhandlers as they dive for cover. Uh, But that's just charming. Uh, But enough of that. I tease this, and this is, is, uh, how do they print this? This is from cnn.com <sighs> Crazy cat ladies are not a thing a study finds It's not I'm sorry it's the news cat owners have been waiting for Owning Is of... this the news cat owners have been waiting for
0: there you even go. cat owners don't think the woman that had 500 cats some of them alive in her mobile home <laughs> are normal,
2: the news cat owners have been waiting for. That's hilarious. There may not be a single sentence in this article that does not belong in the litter box, if you will. (laughs) It's the news cat owners have been waiting for. Owning lots of cats does not, in fact, mean you're mad, sad, or anxious. That's according to researchers at UCLA, who analyzed more than 500 pet owners and found nothing to support the long-held "crazy cat lady" stereotype. What the study observed how people reacted to distress calls from animals, and also compared pet ownership with mental health-related or social difficulties. Its results will come as a relief to those who, like uh, Sean, prefer cats to dogs, and should give that's, those that's who cl- <laughs> those who cling to the popular cat lady trope pause. P A W S for thought. We found no evidence to support the cat lady stereotype. Cat owners did not differ from others on self-reported symptoms of depression, anxiety, or their experiences in close relationships. What study that, said?
0: What's that got to do with? The, I've been in the radio business for many decades, and for many decades, I have been doing crazy cat lady stories. Yes, here's a woman in blank, blank city, blank, blank state. Who had 300 cats. Right. And surrounded by feces. They were all in poor health. She had dead cats in her freezer. I mean, that sort of thing happens regularly. Right.
2: And they're just stating that that doesn't happen? So UCL, or that those people are crazy. So UCLA said, hmm, crazy cat ladies, huh? So they answered the question, does that happen? And they uh, compared people with one cat to people with a dog or no pet at all and said, no, cat owners are not crazy. That's not the question. <laughs> <laughs> That's not, what are you talking? Have you ever heard of? Have you? What? And then CNN just prints it. That is so odd. That's not a, what a crazy cat lady is. Yeah, you got a cat. Great. A lot of people, how about if you have 30? That's what we're talking about. Not only do we need to unplug the Internet, but if we don't unplug it, somebody needs to edit it carefully. Stuff like this should never see the light of day. It needs to be taken down. You show me somebody with 30 or more cats. There will be a roughly 97% correlation with mental health issues. The 3% who aren't wackadoos are so into saving cats that they're borderline wackadoodles.
0: Hey, we uh, we haven't gotten to this story yet. It's a New York Times op-ed piece that's getting a lot of attention this week. Yellowstone supervolcano eruption would be catastrophic for humanity, according to a science... A scientist who writes, Brian Walsh writes, and he goes on to say, super volcanoes like Yellowstone represent what are known as existential risks, ultra catastrophes that could lead to the extinction
2: of human life on Earth. Well, that's something to pay attention to. Isn't that something? Extinguishing human life. There are a few, I'm against that. There are a number, Some
0: days I'm for it. There are a number of super volcanoes around the world And if one of them erupted, he says it would end human life on Earth, quite possibly. I don't
2: know. I
0: didn't read the the whole article. I don't know if he says, at some point, says, so you should. (laughs) I don't know if there's a a twist in there. I'd say get right with God. Other than that, I don't know what you might want to. I don't don't know know what the pivot is. So it's important
2: that we. (laughs) (laughs) So now would be a good time to. I don't know what you're supposed to do. Now, Yellowstone... uh, ladies and gentlemen, our headline this evening is: you know the whole global warming thing. I wouldn't worry about it because <laughs> we're all about to be instantaneously cooked by acres of magma. Boy, acres, millions of square miles of magma. Well, so
0: within a a, a larger radius than you might think, you would be cooked by uh, by uh, by the eruption. But then then it's all the Everything in the air, kind of what poisonous off. gases. Yeah, and then the plant, and then no, not of sunlight, no plants, and, yeah. and all, that's how the dinosaurs and so many species died. Right from the uh, the meteor hit in the earth. It wasn't the
2: actual blast of the meteor. Yeah. Now I'm a fan of geology, Jack. You know that about me. But is boy, this... do you like to study rocks? Oh, please! Every rock is fascinating in its own way. Uh, is this just the ultimate? They either want to frighten you or or anger you to get you to tune in. Thing
0: I don't know. I found it kind of interesting. Just kind of as a, oh yeah, yeah that does exist. Yeah, that is a possibility. I mean you don't have to dwell on it for long. I don't know. It kind of puts some stuff in perspective. That you
2: uh, know I mean, what are you gonna do? Yeah, you know I was uh, I was reading something else the other day and they made reference to. Um, Some creature that lives like five miles under the surface of the ocean, five miles deep. And I had to stop and think, what, five miles deep? And then they started talking about, I can't remember what the number was, but it was like, and then there are the things that happen a hundred miles deep in the Earth. And I'm like, wait a minute, a hundred miles down to, well, yeah, you forget how gigantic the Earth is and how it's uh, at its core, it's unimaginable molten, you know, fury. If we just live on the crust. If
0: Yellowstone erupts, it would wipe out humanity. Uh, Yellowstone has not erupted. Whoa,
2: oh Living on- the crust,
0: which was the original <laughs> lyrics of the Bon
2: Jovi classic. Did you know that?
0: I'm Ye- sorry, what were you Yellowstone saying? has not erupted in 640,000 years. Now, the next time it erupts and wipes out all of mankind could be in another 640,000 years or it could be right now. <laughs> or right now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> or any other moment. Please stop for doing the rest that. Of it's your... freaking me out. <laughs> or any other moment for the rest of your life. Yeah.
2: Same with the earthquake, getting back to the crust yeah yeah uh, my brother and his family lived in Hawaii till recently, and and man, when those eruptions were going off on the big island, mm. uh that was just astounding to watch. I mean, and it reminded you that <laughs> Mother Nature can't even be troubled to chuckle as it destroys everything humanity has created. oh yeah. I mean it's n- th- it's not even breaking a sweat as it just wipes out every sign of humanity. Yeah, you can make your house of bricks, and
0: uh, if you want, but it ain't going to make any difference to Mother Nature. It might keep the wolf out, but little pig, little pig,
2: yeah. But you know, it's it's all right. Little humble's good for everybody. Oh, sure. On the other hand, I don't want to th- go through my entire day thinking about being instantaneously snuffed by a volcano. If you don't mind, I have dinner plans, for instance. They're at Jellystone Park. Yeah. Yikes!
3: Armstrong and Getty.
1: It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
3: What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here.
2: And I'm Austin Hankwitz.
3: We're the hosts of Mind the Business, small business success stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks.